Welcome to On The Way, a podcast to help you make a meaningful connection with Jesus every day in the midst of your day-to-day. There are so many different, wonderful ways to connect with Jesus, and finding ways to connect with Jesus that fit your personality can be one of the most impactful things that you do in your spiritual journey in this season. And one of the ways we discover those is by talking to other people and hearing snapshots of how it is that they connect with Jesus on the way. Today, we have Lana Liu here in our makeshift studio. Say hi, Lana. Hi, Steve. Thanks for coming in and for sharing some about how you connect with Jesus on the way. What what are some spiritual practices that you found helpful for connecting with Jesus, particularly in this season right now? Okay, that will narrow it down a bit. I have some that have just been long running. Okay, yeah, that you have lots of experience with. Uh Tried and tested. Yes. So um, it it started out uh, being called a quiet time. That that places me in the... In history, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's I'm right. trained to have those too. Yeah. yeah, but um, but a quiet time was kind of like definite. This, this you had to have Bible study and you had to pray, and so it had to happen first thing in the morning, right? Yeah, yes, 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 the earlier the better, yes, yes. the more virtue <laughs> accumulated if, if you're up before the sun, right? Right, so so I, I tried, I tried that. Yes. At the beginning, uh-huh. what I kept about that was the time because I do tend to be first thing in the morning. Okay, uh, but I couldn't even tell you a, a normal quiet time for me. You know, they're all over the place. One one facet that has stayed with me for a very long time is journaling. Okay, and I think I think it's because I wake up in the morning and it's like. All my thoughts are like, gentlemen, start your engines, and then they're racing around in my head. Yes, yes. So if I'm writing them down, uh, writing down my thoughts, or they usually turn into prayers as I write, I'm writing. Uh-huh. It slows you down. It slows me down. In fact, I even found this little trick of if I write the date out in cursive uh-huh. slowly uh-huh. and even try to write all my journaling slowly... Uh, it slows me down. Yeah. yeah. I mean, having to translate from your heart to your head to your hands mm-hmm. is, is a fantastic spiritual practice. Now, mm-hmm. Lana and I have emailed back and forth, and so I know that she has a laundry list of spiritual practices <laughs> that are helpful for her in different ways, and we're going to dig into those a little bit more deeply over the course of the next 20, 25 minutes. But Lana, as we're getting started, why don't you let our listeners know a little bit more about about yourself? Who are you? Tell us about your family. Like, where do you live? Where do you come from? Mm, okay, all right. I'll start at the beginning. I a long, a time long, no, long. No, it was no, no totally. No, no. Oh, I shouldn't have made that joke. That's not my joke to make. <laughs> it's legitimate, Steve. <laughs> okay, okay. Decades ago, well, I I had like a wonderful childhood because I grew up on a farm in Ohio. Um, always went to church okay. with my family and just, you know, like salt of the earth kind of place. I was thinking this week about how, like you introduced by saying different people have different bents toward different things. Yeah, yeah. When I was a little girl, because we weren't in a neighborhood, I spent a lot of time just by myself wandering around okay. the fields and usually with a dog. And uh, and I still love 
to be out. Like we moved Briar Chapel seven years ago, and really the the trails were part of the draw. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So so that it, you know one of the features of Briar Chapel, even though you can reach out your window and touch your neighbor's house, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it, it, is that the, the neighborhood is surrounded by mm-hmm. trails, parks, green space, yeah. the decompression zone. And for folks who aren't familiar with Briar Chapel, because there are people listening to the podcast, maybe even people who live in Chatham County mm-hmm. who've never been to Briar Chapel, mm-hmm. those trails are open, right? I mean, yes. anyone can use those yes. trails. Yeah. There's also something to that. And we hadn't planned to talk about this, but this is part of the beauty of conversational interviews is that early childhood experience of being alone, of being out in the woods or in the fields with the dog and having this spiritual connection in that time, or at least a personality formation experience, Mm -hmm. if God wasn't necessarily a part of it then, Mm -hmm. although I think it was for you. I wasn't aware yeah, that it was. Yeah, so so maybe he was forming and shaping you, mm-hmm. seeking and pursuing you, carving out channels through which he would connect with you. There you go. That's good. Yeah, yeah. It, I think for a lot of us, our early childhood experiences shape us spiritually in ways that continue to have an impact yes. from us. What What are some ways that you, to make it a little bit more explicit, mm-hmm. that 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 early childhood experience of solitude of silence. How has that shaped how you connect with God? Well, like zooming way fast forward to now, uh, or actually two years ago, I just started feeling this draw to withdraw a little bit from the things I had been doing. Yeah, and, I mean, you were doing a lot at yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah, and I and I like he gave me a heads up that I had kind of a year to adjust and. And the ease down, but it was this draw to be quiet. And the draw to that had really started not in my childhood, but early on in my relationship with Jesus. Uh-huh. So we'll go there later. But, but I wasn't sure what that was going to look like two years ago, but what it ended up looking like is a friend of mine had... Uh, done a like a contemplative retreat by book, and she'd shared with me along, and eventually I would listen to her, and I was you know that that was interesting. Eventually, I realized oh, I really want to do this. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I did. I did for kind of a year plus. I just I used this book, and what was it, the name of the book? It was called. Contemplative retreat. I oh, think. okay. Contemplative retreat. It was written by somebody who did re- had done hundreds of like, retreats, like led retreats, led or retreats. They just yeah, led retreats, and then so that he would there would be a little introduction and a little. I wouldn't call a sermon, but we'll call it a sermon because I don't have another name yeah, for like it. A reflection, a reflection, <laughs> a or, reflection. Or uh-huh. and then each day he would have things that the people who had attended the retreat had talked with him about when they would have interview time. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. was so helpful. And it, like the Holy Spirit does, whatever you needed to hear that day, there was one of those. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that was a, a great, uh, it wasn't in, a, in an introduction, but a great uh, way to go there. 
<laughs> well, you know, there's, there's something really interesting about the spiritual discipline of solitude and silence, of of uh, contemplation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the via contemplative... I can never say that. The, the, the contemplative way. Okay. The via contemplativa. There you go. However you say it. <laughs> Sometimes people really focus on the withdrawal and the absence of it. But particularly in the Christian tradition, meditative activity, contemplative activity is pulling away so that you can connect yes. or, or emptying yourself so that you can be filled. Yes. It's that, it's that uh, Philippians 2 concept where Jesus empties himself, kenosis, empties himself mm-hmm. of everything and then is filled with the glory of God in order to pursue the mission of God for the sake of the people of God. Yeah. And, and there is something... When you first are starting to engage in contemplative spirituality, I, I'm, I say you, when people are okay. starting to engage in contemplative spirituality, I think a lot of times they, they only see what I'm going to have to put off. Mm. A- and they feel like, well, if I empty myself of the Bible study aspect of my quiet time, mm. what's going to be left? Mm. If I... If I say I'm gonna I'm gonna go and I'm not gonna journal or I'm gonna sit down and I'm not gonna listen to worship music, well there's this like what am I going to do or what's gonna happen and mm. and yeah. I, what, what do you yeah. do with that? Well I uh, from my perspective I would say it's just not time to do it yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I think if there's not a pull if this is a draw to that, uh it's it's you're going to try to make it another to do yeah. and and it's not a to do it it's practically impossible to make that a to do i think right right i mean i mean could you could you imagine what it would do to any of your relationships if they were governed by daily task lists right particularly any of your love relationships right so so you're married to my good friend tony yes who tony if you're listening to this <laughs> you're getting a shout out here and, and you're going to be used in an illustration right now oh <laughs> so, right, so imagine that you that you wake up in the morning and you walk over to tony and you say good morning and before he can say good morning back to you, you flip open a, a little a workbook and you put a check next to greet Tony in the morning, you know, and, uh, you know, and then you're looking down and you see, give Tony a kiss. And so you give Tony a kiss. Check then, it out. Yeah. And, and then you see, um, go make breakfast. And then, and then without saying anything else to him, you go make breakfast. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes the high structure that we've inherited from other people in our spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. particularly for those of us who are raised around quiet times mm-hmm. with that, that very particular structure to them yes. can lead to a checklist mentality that oh, actually yes. voids that relationship of, yeah. of depth and intimacy. Yeah. One time in a very profound time of my life with God, uh, he actually put into my heart to stop making lists. Oh, like completely. Like completely. Oh. I'm a very much a list maker. Uh-huh. It was uh-huh. almost all that I could do <laughs> to not make lists. Not quite the lists that you are listing, yes. but yes. you know, just through the day. And and it was important for me to learn not to do that. And I he uh, he'll still me draw still draw me back into that mode because I was very much I, I wanted to be a good little girl, get it all done. And and the, and this contemplative stuff is not in that realm. It's not at about all. that. That's yeah. the contemplative stuff moves you out of that performance mindset yeah. into that 
relationship mindset, yeah. that connection yes. mindset, yeah. where, where in, instead of earning God's approval or doing the things God has commanded, it's, it's actually not focused on commands. Right. It's focused on love and yeah. time together. Yeah. And practically what I find it's focused on is, is letting go. Yeah. So, yeah. so like I can't call myself a contemplative because I'm still in this, this, well, I will. Why not? I, I can, okay. we call okay. it. You're going to embrace but, the label. That's, <laughs> that's a very non-contemplative thing I, to do. And and I'm doing that because that's my logging, right? Yes. That, like I can yes. tell there's where the pull is. Yes. But I'm at this, at this stage and have been for two years now of just learning to turn my attention from all those thoughts back to Jesus. Yes. And then before you know it, you're off the thoughts again and back to Jesus. And that's why I think that... It can't be a to-do because right there, that would turn everybody away. Like this, if you thought that 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 being focused on on Jesus all the time was the the way that this was going to be, that would be about as discouraging as you could get. Well, and there's <laughs> something about the contemplative, the, the practice of contemplative spirituality that opens back up to us our other spiritual disciplines in new ways. True. So, so if you have if you have your quiet time Bible study, you can end up fixating on the particular text instead of the God behind the text mm-hmm. or the God who inspired the text. Mm-hmm. If you're journaling, you could end up focusing really more on yourself yep. than on God, just kind yep. of pouring out your heart, but you're focused on on you. Mm-hmm. And when you practice contemplative spirituality, this via negativa, that this sort of stuff, where you're where you're letting go, you're releasing and, and refocusing yourself on Christ in a different way on Jesus and the spirit and his presence with you. Then you can go back to the text, the biblical text Mm -hmm. that you were studying in your quiet time and actually see Jesus in the midst of it. You can go back to your journal and have an encounter with the spirit while journaling. Mm -hmm. You, you could do listening prayer. You can have a conversation with a friend, and you get those back in a different way. Yes, that's very true, Steve. And and I noticed that um, uh, I lost my train. <laughs> no, it's okay. There's 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 no particular train. This is the, this is the depot, right? You okay, go back to the depot I just and jumped off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so so here's this thing. By adding a different layer, the, that contemplative layer to other spiritual practices. Oh, did you get it back? I did. Oh, I go, did. go for it. Okay. Just take, take okay. it, take it, run with it. Uh, it. It was that one of the things that has happened with contemplative prayer, when you're, when you're just sitting there, you're, you're giving access to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, and what I find is he's like, I, th- I have thought I've had kind of the same issues all my life, and I've discovered, oh, there's things under those issues. That's why I have those issues. Yeah, and yeah. and it really comes down to a whole lot of, there's so many names. It's the flesh, the old nature, it's the ego, it's the false self. That it starts getting uh, exposed. Another thing that has really helped me with that was being introduced to the Enneagram by Alex a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. Are you looking forward to the Summer Better course? <laughs> yes, I am. So I have a friend who, I have two friends actually, who refer to things like that as ouch hallelujah. Ouch hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, yes. 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 
I think it was John Calvin who said that growing in knowledge of God gives us deeper self-knowledge and gaining yeah. authentic self-knowledge gives us deeper knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. And and there is mm-hmm. something about that where, you know, to, to, to lean into something Jesus said, it, it, there was a time where his disciples, he, he was off doing something and his disciples were trying to cast out a demon, I think. Mm-hmm. I think they were trying to cast out a demon. They weren't having any luck. Right. And they were getting frustrated as, as one does <laughs> yeah. when the demons just won't come out. Yes. And, and at one point Jesus, and Jesus shows up and, and commands the demon and the demon's gone. Yeah. Am I remembering the yes, story correctly? that's the way I remember it. Yeah. And, and he says, and then they ask, why, why couldn't mm-hmm. we do this? Essentially like what's wrong with us mm-hmm. that, that the demon wouldn't come out? What are we doing wrong? What technique is wrong? And he says, this, this, this only comes out with fasting and prayer, I think with emptying and filling, right? Fasting and prayer, emptying and filling. And then I I think there is some of that where you could read the Bible cover to cover. And then there's a part of you that may not change just from the reading. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could go to every Sunday worship service and there's a part of you that still may not be touched or, or reached mm-hmm. or transformed. And, and so that, that emptying and filling experience along the contemplative way mm-hmm. is, is, is a facet of spirituality, which is easier for some people than others, and yet helpful for everyone. Mm-hmm. Just as the studying the Bible, I mean, I spent and years worship. and years, you know, Bible studies, that was my thing. Women's Bible studies, little neighborhood Bible studies. And, oh, I'm so grateful for that background. And I think I was being drawn to that in, in that stage of life. So life hopefully is long and and yes. God has something for to keep building on, I guess. He just keeps building and and in ways that you you couldn't even anticipate at a former stage, although there's usually a thread. Yeah, you can see it when you look backwards, you but I don't know that backwards. you would see it looking forward. Yeah, yeah. And so that's one of those quotes too. We was that Kierkegaard. We live life going forward, but we only understand it looking backwards. Yes, yeah. yes. That that insight that the sort of spiritual disciplines that are helpful for us might change over the course of our lives, Mm -hmm. gives us a lot of freedom to experiment. It does, yes. To say, maybe today, maybe this one will be good for me today. Mm -hmm. And it gives us a lot of freedom to say, nope, that one one was not, you know, uh, yeah. For instance, my daughter and son-in-law have such a heart for social justice things. And I respect that so much. But I remember when I... That uh, Sacred Pathways book that yeah. was kind of mm-hmm. pivotal to this this series that we're doing. When I took the little survey on yes. that, uh-huh. like that was the last. Yes. There were two of them at the end. I think was one was the traditionalist and one was the uh, activist. Was activist. that the word? Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I said, oh, okay. I see how this is working. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, I mean, the way I've experienced that has been around evangelism. Right, where every mm-hmm. every believer, everyone who has faith in Jesus is called to talk to others about their faith, to be messengers of the good news. Mm-hmm. And I always found it just hard because I'm like, I don't like talking to strangers mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. like ever. Mm-hmm. And I thought evangelism was was contact evangelism. I thought it was walking up to people I didn't know and trying to have mm-hmm. a 
a five-minute conversation that ends with them submitting their entire life to Jesus Christ. And I remember feeling right. bad that I didn't, I didn't feel particularly connected with Jesus in the midst of that. Mm. And it would do it out of duty or obligation, but it wasn't spiritually fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my spiritual journey has required me to discover other ways to incorporate evangelism into my spiritual life, mm-hmm. ways that are more authentic to me. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't do evangelism. I, I love Jesus and I talk to him mm-hmm. and I talk about him to people in real, meaningful, authentic ways, but they fit my personality. And I'm way more effective as an evangelist yeah. when I'm sharing the gospel in a way that's true to how Jesus has made me. Yeah, I totally identify with that. Like I always had the, I, so I always call them the smos, the should, musts, and oughts. Uh, uh-huh. I, I coined a term because yeah. they were piv- they were pivotal. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I find... And that sounds and like I, I've got a case of the smos. <laughs> yes, okay. But maybe that's another fruit of this quietness because it's like that is gone. And I feel like I've talked to more people in more ways with more authenticity with not exactly, you know, presenting quote unquote, the gospel, but just in real conversations that I had ever done before back when I was feeling that I should, must, and ought. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you feel like every conversation about Jesus has to close with an altar call, then You'll have very few conversations about Jesus if you're yeah. not wired in a, yeah. a sales sort of way. Yeah. I don't know if that has changed, like, uh, um, evangelical-wide, but I know being here at Chatham Church, I, I don't feel that kind of pressure. And I think that has helped to, you know, free me from some of that too. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing what sort of healthy, beautiful, vibrant things emerge from us when we're not feeling the pressure of, mm. of what you call it, the smos, smos. S-M-O apostrophe S. Yes. It's like <laughs> s'mores, but... <laughs> S'mores are much, much better, better than yes. smos. Much yes. Yeah, but but you know when when you're doing stuff out of duty or obligation, it becomes a burden. Yes, and then you don't want to do it, or you do just enough to make that sense of of pressure go away. Yes. Whereas when you're doing something out of a sense of privilege and freedom and joy and happiness, yeah. you're much more eager to to do it. Amen. You know, I've actually found I, I've reengaged with a. Uh, daily, more like a traditional quiet time rhythm, Mm -hmm. reading three to six chapters of scripture every morning at the bed next to my, uh, the the chair next to my bed. And, you know, I had gotten away from that particular spiritual practice Mm -hmm. for a long time because it wasn't particularly helpful for me. I found other ways to engage with scripture, Mm -hmm. but I feel like it's, it's come back and and now, fresher, I'll bet. Fresher. Fresher. Right? Yes, absolutely. Sorry, I'm getting distracted because there's a Guilford County school bus that just pulled up and turned around in our parking <laughs> lot. There's a pokey stop here at the church office, and so apparently that bus driver's playing Pokemon Go. And, uh, oh, okay. 
I know you've talked about that. Yeah, if you ever notice people driving into the church parking lot and turning around, that's it. That's usually what's happening. (laughs) uh, But I'm glad they almost hit your car. Oh, uh, and I'm glad they did not. I'm glad they didn't find my car. I hope they find their Pokemon. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, let me ask you. So we're we're wrapping up the interview, but let me ask you Mm -hmm. one more thread of questions. Can Mm -hmm. I do that? Yeah. Because the contemplative way, in particular, and quiet time journaling, solitude and silence are, are, are often, well, solitude especially is often very alone, independent. Mm -hmm. And yet I've observed something in you. And you mentioned this in the email back and forth that we had, that your spiritual life is not an isolated spiritual life, that there are other people around in an orbit here. Mm -hmm. How do other people, friends, family, Tony, who you know is a friend and family, you know, yes. like how do, how do these other people enter into the orbit of your spiritual life in a way that doesn't crush that contemplative part of who you are? Well, I have some friends who are who God has like drawn to that same place, and that has been a wonderful encouragement, and we can you know interact and. And this is what happened. Oh, yeah, that's happened to me. Well, think about it this way, you know, that, uh, those uh-huh. kinds of conversations. Um, a, a different set of eyes. A different your, set of eyes, but yeah. still open to that particular um, pathway. Yeah. You yeah. know, but then oh, God has blessed me so much with friends over the years and neighborhood friends that we could walk and talk. And uh, there's always... People and close relationships and and good conversations that has that I would have never called it a spiritual practice. Okay, you would call it just being just life. Yeah, yeah, a person. Yeah, yeah. But I know when we moved out here, like immediately, I wanted a best friend. (laughs) Okay, and then. I started getting close to someone and she moved away and I got close to someone. She moved away. Oh no. <laughs> but then I <laughs> don't get close to Lana. <laughs> no, just kidding. Yeah, I'm not. I should have asked them why did. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> that's not why, but that's, I mean, that's part of the nature of relationships yeah. is, yes. is people move and transition and, and you can still remain close to people emotionally or even across distance. Yes. And again, it's, I think part of that is, is that practice you said a minute ago. It's the, uh, the letting go and being filled and letting go and just, and just going with it, mm-hmm. just letting, letting things unfold. So I, I settled down and then I met friends. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, there's, there's that interesting thing where the harder you grasp on trying to make friends, <sighs> mm-hmm. the harder it is yes. to make friends. Yes. And when you're at relaxed and at peace, it still takes some initiative, mm-hmm. right? You still have to respond to someone's text message inviting you to go to lunch, or you mm-hmm. still have to, to send, send a, uh, an email asking if someone wants to, to go get coffee. Mm-hmm. There's still that initiative there, right? but if there's not the pressure, um, there's something different that happens. And what you just said, like applies to the whole ball of wax, doesn't it? Because it's so much God, but it's also our response. And that's just the way all relationships are and all practices, I think. And seeing that our relationship with God is not an exception to that, mm-hmm. that, that God is also taking initiative with us. Yes. He's also reaching out to us. Yes. He's also calling us and 
waking us up and mm-hmm. offering us invitations. You know, who knows how often the invitation to the contemplative journey was issued uh, to us oh, yes. before we said yes. Yes, right. uh, or how you know how often the invitation to connect with him in prayer mm-hmm. or even in activism has been mm-hmm. that door may have opened to us multiple times over the course of our lives and we didn't notice it, didn't see it, mm-hmm. but God is persistent and patient and loves us and wants a deep, meaningful relationship with us. Yeah. So he keeps. Yeah, I was thinking changing. yesterday, I guess, about how about repent. The kingdom of God is here, and it's like oh, yeah. if if I'm standing there at repent is basically just turning around, right? And turning around and he's right there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it, I know I went through one stage of, or one stream of Christianity that it was all about, you know, seeking God's presence and, and, and that, I, that was a wonderful stage of, of growth, but I, I feel like it kind of missed the fact that he is always here. Yeah. We are all, yeah. he's, closer than our breath. Right. So, yes. Yeah. I, I feel like sometimes who is it? Um, Elisha's servant mm-hmm. who's like freaking out because he's <laughs> like, I, we need God to show up. And, yeah. and, you know, Elisha sees the, the chariots of fire everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he sees, mm-hmm. he sees that, yes. that God's whole community, his whole army is right there for us. And, and, uh, and I think sometimes we we just don't have that awareness. Yeah. Of my friend and I, uh, she's been very ill, and I got to thinking about how the the sun is always there. Yeah. But like early this morning, the clouds you couldn't see the sun. Yeah. And and when you're very sick and it's all cloudy, it's just good to remember the sun's right there. It hasn't gone anywhere else. Yes. Yeah. So yes. God, God's right there. Yeah. Yeah. We revolve around it. Yeah, there you go. This is great, Lana. Thanks so much for coming down to Pittsburgh and jumping on a microphone. Not the most comfortable thing in the world to do. I really appreciate you sharing your insight and wisdom. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, thanks.